Welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And my guest today is children's book author Dallas Clayton, aka the modern day Dr. Seuss, aka my best friend. Uh, so, Dallas Clayton has written seven books, uh, beginning with his originally self published book, an awesome book. And, uh, and he's just written a myriad of other amazing, magical, charming, inspiring books that are suitable for children as well as adults. Uh, these books include An Awesome Book, An Awesome Book of Thanks, An Awesome Book of Love, Make Magic, Do Good, It's Never Too Late, A Kid's Book for Adults, Lily the Unicorn, and A is for Awesome. He also paints murals. He also has an animated show on Amazon based on his book, Lily the Unicorn. And uh, I just think you should follow his inspiring Instagram and Snapchat at Dallas Clayton. And uh, you can even buy his art and books and tote bags on his website, DallasClayton.com. See what he's up to over there. So I met Dallas uh, when I was like 19 or 20 years old. He was selling zines, like the little grimy punk kid that he was. Uh, he was selling zines on Fairfax outside of a comedy club in Los Angeles called Largo. And, uh, and I was like, who is this guy? Oh, my goodness. He's so cute. He's kind of intimidating. What's he, what's he all about? I don't know. I'll take the zine, and then I'm out of here. I'm going to hang out with comedians. But then I ran into him again at the salad bar at Whole Foods. This was during his vegan phase. Uh, I may have been vegan as well. Um, probably not for health reasons, just for wanting, you know, vanity reasons, wanting to be slender. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I ran into him again at Whole Foods, also located on Fairfax. Coincidence? Or was the universe trying to tell us something? Hmm. During this conversation, you're going to hear me revert into the dynamic that I have with Dallas, where, which is I'm like his little sister. I love him. I put him on a pedestal. Uh, I, you know, so, you know, I have no qualms with this dynamic. I usually frame episodes like they're dates. This is not a date. This is a platonic friend experience. Um, we talk about a million different things. As per the usual, we go on a tangential journey over here on the Love Alexi podcast. Dallas and I talk about him being a young dad and how he used that experience to propel him forward and create an entire career and magical life for him and his son, Audio. A life magical enough, for example, to be chosen uh, as the subject of a Google ad even. I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, I've never been in a Google ad for my life to be on display for the entire goddamn world. I'm not saying I'm jealous. I'm just saying this is what makes Dallas a magical, exciting, special person. Uh, the world is taking note and interested. Uh, we talk about selling zines, being punk, moving to Los Angeles from North Carolina, storytelling, UCB, an art collective that we were in in our early 20s called Death Camp. We talk about magic, life after death, sleeping dreams and aspirational dreams, AMSR, synesthesia, and what those two things are, because I didn't know prior to this podcast. We talk about writing, the meaning of life, happiness, love, dating, goals, using your time wisely and trying to spend as much of your time as possible doing what you love. We also talk about uh, the controversial photo that went viral of two girls posing uh, and taking selfies under Dallas's stand here and think of someone you love mural that's located in Silver Lake while a homeless person was passed out uh, asleep on the ground next to the two girls taking selfies. Um, but you know what? We talk about a million other things. As per the usual, I think you're going to love it. And uh, not that this has anything to do with anything, but... This was a very important day when I spoke to Dallas because not only was I 
having a conversation with my best friend about all these magical things. But right after our chat, I got on a plane to visit a boy in New York uh, that I was romantically involved with and longing for. And uh, we had a, a, an amazing adventure. And it just goes to show you, I went from talking about living a magical lifestyle with Dallas to actually going and living a magical lifestyle all my own. So that's all. Anyway, here's what I think. Uh, if you're going to be friends with Dallas on social media, I think that you and I should also take our uh, relationship up a notch or 10, and you and I should be friends on all of social media, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, at Alexi Wasser. You can always send emails into the show. Uh, tell us how you're feeling, your thoughts, your concerns, your uh, conundrums, whatever. Send those emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And I urge you, if you like this show and it makes you happy or laugh or learn stuff or feel a little bit less alone or whatever, Please subscribe on iTunes, leave a comment, rate the show. Seems super boring. I know, you're cool. You don't want to fucking do that shit. Uh, but it really does help grow the show so I can keep doing it. And if you like the show, so you can keep listening. Um, but I'm going to be quiet now so you can listen and enjoy my conversation with my magical best friend, Dallas Clayton. Now entering Nerdist.com. Recording? Oh, how are you doing? Hey, oh my goodness. Right. Aristotle. Aristotle, my producer. Hello. This is the son of Adio. Give me a hug. Aristotle is 24. He just had a birthday that he didn't want to talk about. You're Adio. sitting there. Cool. You're sitting here. No, I think Adio is just going to go. I am going to just totally go down. You're just going to look at comics? Hey, comics. get on the mic real quick and okay. say, say hello. This is Adio or something. Say whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you who to be. All right. Just say hello to our listeners and then. Uh, Okay. Just for a moment, okay? Don't get carried away. We're going to send you right back downstairs, all right? Okay. Audio, how old are you? Uh, I am 13. You're 13? Recently, yes. And uh, who's your dad? Why are you here right now? Um, because uh, he has to do some some talking, and I have to go down and not listen. Fantastic. Get out of here. Go all have right. fun with comics. Thank you very much for saying hello. That's Audio Ladies. Clayton. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to take off your headphones. Of course. Or Nerdist will charge you billions right. of dollars. I'm going to talk to your dad, Dallas Clayton, modern-day role doll. Okay. <laughs> Have fun. But audio, you totally like me, right? Like I'm a great. Yeah. You think I'm cool? Yeah. He says, yeah. He shrugs. Like, of course, why wouldn't I? That's what he means by that shrug. Okay, I'm gonna close the door. <laughs> Dallas, we're podcasting. We're already doing. It. We're pal- it, ha- it happens immediately. Let me do that. Copious notes. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Aristotle here. Real deal. I don't think I've ever. I feel like I haven't been in this comic book shop in a decade. Well, you know, it's my it's my spot. It's my uh, it's my cool jam. I was, like, <laughs> I feel like they've really turned. They've used every inch of this space to do all kinds of stuff. It seems. This is where uh, famous podcasters such as uh, wait, who podcasts here? Chris Hardwick. For whatever heard of him, mm. uh, pretty big deal. Pete Holmes, uh, pretty huge. This and here great. here we are. <laughs> I wish that the listeners at home knew what this space looked like. Do they? Uh, I've Snapchatted it. Oh, okay. Um, all right, get close to that mic, get cozy. Because sometimes I feel like my voice is so much louder than my guests. Do you think that's true, Aristotle? Yeah. I'm just reading all these signs turn, that are all around. Turn this that shit. Oh, that's a. Uh, oh my god, this is this is basically a, an advertisement for everybody else's podcast. <laughs> this every, is my- every inch of this building is has a poster somewhere advertising something that probably already happened years ago. Um, that's what. Uh, wait, this is like Pete Holmes. Those are the questions that he asks, right? This is a museum to Pete Holmes and Jonah Ray and uh, Chris Hardwick and me and Aristotle and uh, that drawing of a cat. Okay. 
Okay, we're here. How excited are you? Pretty Del- excited. Del- I just Del- had breakfast. You did? And um, kind of here. I'm, I'm 90% here. What do you mean you're 90% here? Why? Are you worried? breakfast-wise. I feel like I'm still... You're full? Yeah, I feel like I'm still processing. Get ready to get real. Okay. Grounded in your truth. All right. Isn't it fun to see me in headphones? It's cool. A little backstory for the listeners. Dallas Clayton is uh, one of my best friends. I'm sure he'd say the same. Right, right Dallas? Yes. <laughs> How long have we known each other even though we're only 22? Um, 14 years, 15 years, maybe 15, maybe more years. All right. Okay. Let's set the stage. Okay. Don't look at these questions. I can't even see them. I haven't eaten. I'm only, uh, this is Soylent. Soylent. I got a big, did you get a package of Soylent in the mail? No. You're not a Soylent pioneer like I am. No. (laughs) Yes. I'm, uh. How are you doing with that? How I don't know. It tastes like liquid, uh, like uh, creamy liquid Cheerio, Cheerio milk. Oh, okay. Is what they say. And uh, yeah, anyway, let's Are say, you mixing it with other things or are you just taking it? Um, just uh, psychedelics, uh, MDMA. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, because some people say you're supposed to mix it with fruit or cinnamon or whatever you're supposed to Who the to hell do you think you are to pretend you're the ambassador of Soylent? I, I just had a Soylent conversation the other day. You did? I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. With who? Um, some guy who had been taking it for months. Taking it for months. Or using it instead of eating? Yeah. I like eat. Uh, this is already a tangential journey mm-hmm. we're going on sure. uh, on this podcast. But I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll like drink this. And I think if you talked more about Soylent, they would pr- probably do some sponsorship of your show. I'm going to try to do that. I, I, I just got, I was my first sponsorship. I got my first ad. Congratulations. Very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So who is Dallas Clayton? Okay. If you were at a party. Uh-huh. And somebody was like, hey, man, what do you do? Is that some party in Tinseltown in the hills, uh-huh. as we do? Fancy town. What do you say, Dallas? Uh, I just say I write kids' books because it's easy and it's... Um, <clears throat> I feel like I'm going to be coughing a lot. Oh, Jesus. Um, this is, we're fucked. No, I need some Soylent. Um, it's gosh, actually... It makes it thicker down there. This Soylent is so delicious. It's refreshing. <laughs> I don't think I never need to eat any meals again. The funny thing is I drink Soylent in the morning and then I like binge eat at a... a at the in and out. That's not what they just try oh, that again. Okay. The funny thing is, I drink soil in the morning and I don't have to eat ever again. I don't need nothing else. <laughs> I punched a guy and went straight through his head. Couldn't That's believe how strong it. I am. Soylent. Soylent. <laughs> Hashtag Soylent Pioneer. Dot biz. Dot org. <laughs> <laughs> Killing it already four yeah. minutes into the podcast. <laughs> I tell people that I write kids' books because it's easy and it's a fun job that nobody does. And so when you say that you do that, it's, it's, uh, it's um, it's like saying that you sell rainbows to people. Um, don't you feel like everybody you ever say that to is like, oh my god, I'm trying to write a kid's book, yeah. or like, and what's... that happens a lot. How do you feel about that? I feel like I'm not one to dash people's dreams, but I think that writing kids' books, it's not easy, but it's certainly easier than most things. Like if I said uh, I'm building a church, and you were like, I wanted to build a church, that'd be more difficult than writing a kids' book. Yeah. Um, so I feel like when people say that, they don't really mean it. You know, it's like saying, um, I've been meaning to learn guitar, right? I th- yeah. You're either learning guitar or you're not. Are so. you talking about me? Because I am learning how to play guitar. <laughs> you can play guitar, actually. I've oh, heard you play thank guitar. Thank you very before. much. Um, yeah, it's just like perseverance. I mean, people don't have follow through. Yeah. Well, I, or I think it's. For the just, church or the I book. think people just want to relate to things, you know? So if you say, uh, uh, I write kids' books. Someone immediately remembers that sometime in the, their entire life they had an idea for a kids' book. Yeah. Usually the idea is about their dog or their cat. And it's usually about how their dog or cat looks funny or does funny things. Mm-hmm. And that's not really an idea. 
but it's it, the same as if you said you probably if you went to another state outside of California or Los Angeles specifically and said that you made movies, someone would probably say, I have an idea for a movie, but no one tells you that here. Don't they? I don't think so. I feel like they 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 know enough. Yeah, not to. I just feel like they they don't steal my movie idea is probably what they were thinking. Oh no, yeah. No one thinks they're gonna take their kids' book idea, but that's what I do. Steal what? people's ideas. You're sounding like a dream dasher for someone I who's a, like I'm not. I got a bunch of books that are all about various people's cats and dogs. Oh, that's all you have to do. If you have a willingness to be a children's book author, all you have to do is just steal all the other people's ideas yeah. that will never follow through with their bonehead. Every children's Uber driver book ideas. that you've ever. Had, oh my god. Every mom that you ever met. Is it has a dog or a cat with a with a book that they want to write so about it? I'm afraid to like ask you certain things because I feel like your whole demographic, all those uh, gajillions of followers you have on Instagram and Twitter, mm-hmm. are all like moms. And then like, so I can't be like asking you the normal questions I would normally ask a person because okay. I want to be like, I want to protect my friend with his uh, core core demo, as they say in showbiz. Sure. I mean, you can ask whatever you want. Hey, don't look at my questions. I'm, not, I'm really not. Okay, I'm like gripping my soil and <laughs> hiding my questions. Um. Yeah, you can ask whatever you want. I do have a, I guess I have a, my demographic is pretty varied. Um, okay. Dallas is burping. I know. This is clearly not framed as a date. We are only <laughs> friends. Uh, that is for damn sure. Uh, are you playing Magnetic Tetris? I like that. Oh my God. Aristotle is so bored. Now that he's 24 years old, he's- no, that's up, cool. He's really- he's, <laughs> he's too good for this podcast and he's playing Magnetic Tetris. Um- Okay, so how many books have you written? Like, let's go down the list. You've, you haven't just written one book. You've written, like, what are these books? Seven books. Please tell me the names of these books. Uh, I wrote this book called An Awesome Book, and then that book kind of became um, somewhat popular. And and so then I wrote a bunch of books. Yes, T.O., T.O., hold on. Okay, uh-huh. before we get down this rabbit hole. You just uh, asked the question. I know, okay. but I'm uh, cutting myself off because okay. I want to make sure. The way you put out an awesome book was super, uh, super specific and special, right? You put it out. You got, tell that story, and then we'll get to all the other, uh, you know, okay. all the other books. I'll tell you the story, and then that should give us a good foundation. Just so you for don't the forget, people you who get, don't know us. Okay, good. You got turned down and stuff like. Tell them that you got turned down. You okay. put it out for free. And then, okay, cool, cool, cool. cool. <laughs> okay, okay, guys. <laughs> I gotta tell you a secret. This is for everyone that is uh, ASMR that's listening. I'm just going to do whisper talk. What's ASMR? Um, gosh, what does it stand for? Exclusive. Audio. Uh, All right, you're going to look up what it stands for. I'm going to try to guess what it stands for. Audio. Sensory. Uh, I don't know. Talk about a boring it's people podcast. That like to, people like to listen, listen to other people whisper. And, oh. and so there's all these whisper videos on YouTube of people like just going, so I've got this bottle of Soylent and this water bottle and the water bottle's cleared as a red label with blue around it. And they really like the sound of like clicking and like It's really weird. It sounds like. But it's very soothing. If you ha- Oh, so if you have it, if you have ASMR, it makes you feel tingly all over when people talk like this for oh. you. Massage for your soul. For your soul. <laughs> Wait, what's ASMR though? Is what it does it stand for? Is Aristotle? it you're broken or something? Autonomous sensory meridian response. Wow, I was really off. I had sensory. Autonomous sensory meridian response. What does that mean? Are you like a broken individual? No, it's actually awesome. I think it's probably like having, um, I don't know, uh, being able to sense different things or, or having, uh, I don't know. 
being double jointed or something, right? It's just a, an extra element to your day it's, so that when people whisper you can get feel really excited about it it's like getting the chills via your ear holes yeah that's so cool you should there's a whole it's a cool rabbit hole to go down um especially at late at night when you can't sleep you can watch videos of it and it's very soothing even if you don't have the thing it's still pretty soothing okay yeah i'd love to yeah check it out is that an invitation it's probably like having synesthesia or something where you where you have a an extra ability that other people don't have What's synesthesia? It's where your senses get mixed up so you can see, you can hear colors or you can taste various sounds. It's a crossing of the wires of your senses. But it comes in different degrees. So some people have it where they, uh, if you play a certain note, it makes them feel certain things. Other people have it where if they, shapes and numbers mix. So a lot of people that are savants that can do high level math have it because they see numbers as shapes. So they're able to do math quicker. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Anyway, I wrote a book. It's called An Awesome Book. Yeah, thanks. It was a kid's book. I put it out myself uh, because I got turned down by a bunch of different publishers putting it out. Boneheads. Boneheads. And then... (laughs) A.K.A. Boneheads. I put it all out myself and I did a bunch of touring with the book and it just sold a bunch of copies and it became pretty popular and um, I learned a lot about the publishing industry and then... After that happened, all the publishers that had turned me down came back and started offering me various publishing deals. Classic. Classic story. And so then I did um, publishing deals with a bunch of different publishing companies and put out a bunch of other books. Some of them uh, were similarly titled, Awesome Book, Awesome Book of Thanks, Awesome Book of Love, A is for Awesome. And then a couple others are different. One was called Make Magic Do Good. One was called Lily the Unicorn. Um, One was called It's Never Too Late. Uh, I put out a book myself called The Greatest Writer Alive. And then I have a bunch of other books that I'm going to put out over the next couple of years. What are those books? Um, they're all varying. I don't think that any of them have definitive titles right now. But all just different different um, collections of poetry and illustrations and things for kids of various ages. And then which are the adult books? The kids slash adult <clears throat> books? I think they all, all of them? I think they all are at this point. Maybe A is for Awesome isn't because it's an alphabet book. And Lily the Unicorn is arguably more kid than adult because it's a traditional kids book with a with a protagonist that's an illustrated unicorn but the rest of them I think are transitioning more into mm, probably 50-50 kid adult or maybe even 60-40 adult yeah kid um do you feel like you so you wrote okay oh yeah you're in the Google ad right oh yeah tell me about this Google ad (laughs) well I think what happens these days, probably more so now, even than five or six years ago when I put books out, when I first put books out, uh, is that when you do things, people find them and then they want to celebrate them in whatever way they can. So, and sometimes that's brands wanting to collaborate with you and take your product and put it on other things, use it in, in other ways. Or sometimes it's, uh, in this instance, Google uh, was doing an ad campaign and they liked my story and so they made a whole campaign based on me putting out books and it's like the classic ad of uh here's what would happen if you use this tool you know like american express small business that sort of thing but it wasn't that so let's not uh come on no you want to get soylent you want to get american American express Express. google want to get okay i'm just sitting here with my american express black card and my soylent buying some more soylent (laughs) via google Mm -hmm. or amazon uh okay so you wrote this book you had a kid. You're a young dad, right? You're a cool, young, hip dad. Oh, by the way, I just yeah, uh, Dallas. I want to invite you to Dallas. Doesn't that look like? Doesn't that look like vitamin water? 
Oh, my, my hand sanitizer that the, I got from this, Whole Foods? That right there looks like Oh, that. yeah. Total ripoff of, of uh, vitamin water logo. So here's the thing. What you guys can't see out there, uh, you the listeners, I'm basically like a midtown bathroom attendant. Uh, I have everything you need, Listerine mint strips. So for my guests, if they need hand sanitizer, pedestrian kind of uh, too sweet uh, uh, perfume, lip balm or what have you you've got a lot of supplies it's right here it's all it's all here for my guests and for me but anyway back to dallas Uh because it's a love letter to dallas a friend a casual friend date we're living our lives okay (laughs) so you wrote this book though right because it was like essentially for audio yeah for my son he when he was five i wanted to write a book for him um that sort of just talked about the idea of having dreams and not giving up on your dreams and uh it was at the time in his life where he was really first starting to talk about his actual dreams, like sleeping dreams, not aspirations. Mm-hmm. And so he would dream things and then he would talk about them, but they'd be things he had never done before, you know? So he'd say, last night I had a dream that I was on a boat and he had never been on a boat. So what does that look like when you're dreaming about a boat that you've, and you've never been on a boat? What does it feel like? What does it look like? And I thought that that was an interesting place to start, that there are so many uh, parallels between that and the friends that I had at the time who were trying to basically build their own boats, you know, having never been on them. Uh, and a lot of them were giving up on that dream. A lot of them found it to be too hard or too confusing, whatever their particular fantasy or goal was. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to write a book that was for, for my son and also for other people who were in this uh, same position, just saying, hey, dreams are important. And if you have some, don't give up on them. Go explore. So do you feel like as Audio has gotten older, mm-hmm. he's 13 years old now, he was just in this room, mm-hmm. everybody who's listening just met him, kind of, in sure. spirit or whatever. Uh, do you feel like, do you feel like your content, for lack of a better word, is going to like evolve and become more adult or more, not risque, because I don't think mm-hmm. you're going to be risque, but do you think like because he gets older, you can kind of like make your content ugh, I, ugh, I'm so grossed out that I keep saying content more more <laughs> mature or more like adult because he can handle it yeah I think so it, I think it's happening naturally it sort of starts to happen organically I, I would I'd be curious to see what other parents in similar positions how they felt you know parents that are working on animated shows or things like that if they've felt the desire to transition because I'm not I got like kids books and I like cartoons and things like that but I'm not like, even when I come into this comic book shop, I don't really have any affinity for this world. You I don't give a fuck. Yeah. No, I just, <laughs> just I didn't kidding. grow up. Like, I think a lot of people come in and they go, oh, that's my comic. Even if they don't still read comics, this is the one they read when they were a kid or that's they had this I series. Yeah. I, I don't really, I, don't, I like them, but I don't have any of these that I, that I grew up on that really have a, a nostalgic value. So for me, the whole um, Impetus really has a lot to do with audio and kind of trying to make something for the people that you care about the most. So I think it's sort of shifting naturally. It's it's as he gets older, and I think as the as the fan base broadens as well, trying to trying to make things that that appeal to the most people. You know, how did we meet? Um, we met at a grocery store. Did we or do we meet outside Largo and you were passing out zines? Oh yeah, we might have met there too. I can't remember in order. Which way it makes sense? This is crazy because I used to do stand up comedy and be mm-hmm. like a total like for lack of a better phrase comedy groupie and just like go to Largo all the time and uh, and I remember I barely remember yeah Dallas was outside Largo 
Yeah, and you're handing out zines. Like you had a backpack. You're like mm-hmm. this grimy kid. Yeah, this was very pre-internet. Pre-interweb. It was a, a pre-internet world where when I first moved to L.A. Um, from where? From North Carolina. Okay. I would make zines and just go sell them in the street to people in front of shows and art galleries and farmer's markets and things like that. It's very um, uh, analog. Very yeah. analog. People still do that though, right? I think so, but I, I mean, even then, I don't think people really did. Like, yeah. I think it was, uh, it was for me, it was a holdover of of going to punk shows and stuff when I was a kid, and and that just being a component, right? In the same way that, like, uh, with rap music, there are these sort of pillars, right? You have rapping and DJing and breakdancing and graffiti, right? But for the most part rapping became the top well i guess djing now is the top but that like breakdancing and graffiti kind of became their own things right and and in the punk world i feel like uh or hardcore shows and stuff i feel like zines occupied a very um important space for a long time especially pre-internet because it was that was the communication medium but then i think then it just became mm, maybe more about uh personal stories and telling little bits about yourself almost like comics rather than like this is how we get information yeah um, so you can relate to comics kind of in a weird twisted zine like way well that's the thing it's like i the i always love this world like i i like any world that exists where people are making things and it sort of um is able to sustain itself mm-hmm. you know without necessarily having too much outside intervention because it, it feels really natural um i make a product you consume that and you like it and it enriches you and it makes you feel better and I get to release and it's not necessarily about reaching 40 billion people it's about you know just reaching the people that really can appreciate it and so I I like that world and so when I came to LA I was still sort of living in that space of oh yeah you go to shows and there'll be people there and they'll buy zines but LA versus where I grew up in North Carolina it's a whole different universe so the shows here are gigantic bands playing at gigantic clubs and 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 concert halls and places like that so there's just thousands of people every night that you can go and interact with so i would just go and sell zines to the lines of people and it turned out really quickly it became obvious that you could do that every night and if your rent was cheap enough you could live without having to have a job and you meet cool friends like me i met probably most of the people that i know now that really I, that i don't know from north carolina i met here yeah selling, selling zines? zines yeah and you were vegan right that's true hanging Correct. out at whole foods vegan yep. styles <laughs> yes um <laughs> and you're not vegan anymore i don't No, i'm not and I know we have two different energies colliding, and that's the exciting thing about this podcast and life in general. But uh, so just like bear with me. I'll keep you're, going. You're mellow, and I'm going to come on real strong. Just lay it on me. <laughs> um, what were your zines about? What were you saying? Because that's the interesting thing. So yeah, you had you had your young dad. You had audio. You made this book to inspire him. Blah yeah. blah blah. Yakety smackety. That's all fine and good. But you were still writing before that. Before you yeah. met. Uh, you know, audio's uh, baby mommy. Sure. <laughs> oh, God. Before you met, am I allowed to say her name? Yeah, sure. Shannon Sossman, mother of audio Clayton. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before I did anything, really. I mean, I, I feel like I've been writing since I was a teenager. About what and why? Why did you feel compelled to do that? What was that for? And what were these scenes about? Um, Take it. I guess I didn't make music when I was a kid, but I, I was surrounded by it and, it and I felt creative, but I never really had any predisposition to making music. I'm not rhythmic or um, lyrical in that sense. Do you dance? Uh, I dance like an insane person, but I don't dance in any choreographed way. I've taken... <laughs> in 
any choreographed way. What does that even mean? Well, like I've taken dance lessons. <laughs> you have? Yeah, with with audio before, and it's it's the least coordinated feeling on earth for me. It's it's yeah. it's like um, it's the same as when you try to draw with your left hand. And Are you right-handed? Yeah. Are left-handed people weirdos? I don't think so. Keep going. But I think if you're uh, well, your non-dominant hand, so whatever your non-dominant hand is, when you try to draw with it, it's this feeling where you go, <laughs> "Oh man." I've really been neglecting this. Yeah. Like, not only am I not capable, I feel like if I even started right now, it would take me 10 years to be able to draw a circle correctly with yeah. my left hand. And that's kind of how I feel about dancing. Like, I I can, you know, <laughs> jump around like a fool and love that feeling. But as soon as you're as as soon as a teacher says, OK, you're going to step and then clap mm-hmm. and then turn my brain just it overloads it's a short circuit you should take a hip-hop class with my mom i took a hip-hop class <laughs> last did. thursday you did. with audio yeah how was that audio is so like open and just like he's magical a, he's a noodle he's, he's fluid and 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 i how did i feel about it i just feel so um uncoordinated and i feel it's it's so far gone that when i take a class you know, a teacher will be like, hey, here's the here's the routine. Step, clap, turn, spin, whatever the things are. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stand in the corner and work on step. That's all. I, I have to do step a hundred times. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm not going to get any of this. Um, so, I don't know how we got off on that. Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, zines, yeah, zines, right? The zines were about... You weren't musically inclined. Yeah, I wasn't musically inclined. And so the zines were about um, life, you know? Which at the time, it, when you're a teenager, is like... Uh, guess what's wrong with the government, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have any idea because I don't vote, but I think it sucks. <laughs> um, so it was just that, like, what's just stupid observations and angst and and anger, but not anger, just like they, they just might as well have all been called like, this is what sucks, yeah. <laughs> whatever. And here's what I'm not willing to do about it. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, they I think that they were personal enough or I was young enough that people were able to uh, take them with a grain of salt and and uh, I don't know people started offering me writing jobs oh they did I would go and I would sell zines and then people would say hey do you want to write for my magazine or do you want to do editorial work or uh, this do you ever write screenplays and that kind of stuff and so then that just sort of became people uh, asking to do writing and so then I sort of spent the next couple years doing that bouncing around doing all sorts of weird LA related whatnot and then uh right after audio was born that was kind of in that holding pattern of of uh I think most people can live in it a lot longer but after you have a kid everything tightens up so you're looking around and going oh wait I need to focus now as opposed to maybe floating for another four or five years and slowly understanding it and so awesome book kind of came out of that yeah, God, you're like the the zines are like pre uh, pre blogging situations. Yeah. It's like exactly what bloggers experience. It's exactly. It. I mean, you know, it's if I had had probably if I didn't have a kid and had had any foresight, that would have been a natural transition. Where blogging. Going, yeah, but it was. It's so weird to look back at 2000 or 1999 and think that's when I was born. Yeah, just born, when you were born and just think. <laughs> Oh, there were there, and it's probably the same now. But like, look at how much real estate there is on in the internet, or look at how much opportunity there is to make things. But at the same time, in 1999, you're looking around and thinking, "But I really like making these things out of paper and folding them by hand." And yeah. uh, you know all the arguments that one would use against the internet. 
which really are just arguments against change and progress because clearly transitioning into a state where you can reach infinite people for free is yeah. pretty is pretty beneficial as its value. I think we've had that conversation about like uh I got to get back to my Hotmail account, by the way. I have an old one, Alexi and me at Hotmail.com. Cool. Uh, Please send yeah. me <laughs> Please. sponsorship offers. <laughs> to that email address. Um, didn't you, wait, oh God. Didn't you work at Kinko's though? I did. Yep. That was the last job that I had, which was uh, about a block away from where we are Really? Right did you yeah. see Angeline there ever? I don't think so. I think I, I worked the night shift at Kinko's. That was probably the last time I was in this comic book shop. Oh and, my God. And, um... Yeah, I, I worked there, and I would steal copies and and sell and use them to make zines, and then I would go sell zines. And eventually, um, I was working the night shift, and I lived with a bunch of guys. And one of them came in at about two in the morning, and he said, "Hey, man, we're gonna go to this party or show or do something." And I said, "Oh, I can't go. I have to be here because I'm on the clock." Even though I was just sitting on a counter doing <laughs> nothing, <clears throat> it still felt like. Um, Ah, I want to leave this place. I don't want to have to be somewhere. And so then I thought, okay, I I did some numbers and I realized if I stayed and worked for the rest of my life, even at Kinko's, but if I stayed and worked, how much of my life would be my life and how much of it would be somebody else's? Like how much of it would be under the, um, the watch of some business that I didn't have anything to do with? And it was a, uh, an unacceptable percentage of time. So then I thought, all right, I'm going to save up money and then I'm going to quit working and see if I can quit working for six months. And that was in the year 2000. Thank so. God. That's the most important thing I think you've said this entire podcast. All of it's been important, but that's like for anybody listening to inspire them. Like, uh, I don't know. Give kids advice out there. Yeah. Or give people who are like, I mean, God, hopefully they're talented. That's such a weird thing. People need to be self-aware and know what they're good at and know what they're not good at. Hmm. I feel like, but I feel like the main point in life is to figure out what you love doing, figure out if you're actually good at that thing, and then go figure out a way how to make, uh, to make a lot of money ha- doing what you love doing. Sure. Or to make a, ha- a, a comfortable life for yourself that you, you know, in the way in which you would like to live. Yeah, I think that's the goal. I think even if you can't figure out a way to do the thing that you live as your occupation, I think that there's still a way to make it the majority of your time, you know? Yeah. Like, even if, even, because another theory would be go get all your money squared away first and then do whatever you want yeah you know and And your whole life can run out you get hit by a bus it could and and so i don't know it's i guess it's just two types of thinking obviously i took the former route which is figure it out as you go along try to spend as much time as you can doing what you love and that way if you do get hit by a bus whether or not you've achieved your dream to become president you've spent your entire life trying to become president which is great yeah but another argument could be um, this, this just depends on how much you want to live in the in the real world. Another argument would be, okay, you want to live in the real world, you want to become president, you want to do whatever your your goal is. The real world runs on money, and the real world runs on uh, organization and plans. So why not square away X amount first, and then use that as your foundation to build whatever you want? And and maybe the money doesn't even come from making your art or achieving your dreams. It comes from real estate or whatever you you bought a bunch of bitcoin or whatever you did yeah but uh i don't think one or the other it's just personality and there's there's a myriad of shades in between those two two options for me it, it just made sense a because i was super young and i didn't have any plan as to how to make any money or do anything and b because uh i really do i really do like the idea of just sort of taking each day as it's as its own challenge and rather than having it 
all work towards some greater plan. Yeah. It's interesting because you had a kid at such a young age. And the miraculous thing is you use that as an opportunity to propel yourself forward. Does that sure. sound horrible? Does that make me sound like a, a kid hater, like a kid could squash <laughs> your dreams or something? No. But a lot of people, it's like, you know, you had a child and the, having a child, which is already a magical, special experience, mm-hmm. just so people don't think I hate children because I totally don't. Um, uh, but you, you, you made it even, it, it changed your whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember like looking at the photo, like the ultrasound, uh, you know, when Shannon and you announced that you were having a baby and like, I don't know how old I was. Mm. I was like so little. I, I was like five years old. I was like, you know, I don't know if it was like 21 years old, 20 years old, something like that. And, uh, I was like, Oh my God, how can he do this? Mm. I'm, we're just kids still because I, I, I personalized it. I was like, I'm not ready for a kid. And like, and then to watch you kind of like in this, the most graceful way ever, like have a child balance, balance. And you're not with Shannon anymore. Mm. And, uh, but you guys are so graceful how you, how you raised and how you continue to raise audio. How do you do that? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with being too young to really know any, anything else, you know, I, kid or no kid. I think you probably the smartest thing that you could do if you're, if you're not, 21 right now is to look back at when you were 21 and recognize how little you knew and how you even if you had a plan there wasn't a uh uh you didn't really have a scope of what the world was at least i didn't so that whole transition to me even though it has to do with having a kid it also just has to do with like leaving high school growing up becoming an adult and, and so everyone that i know that was going through that was going through the same thing i was just it was just expedited for me and it had a little bit more of uh of a an idea of permanence you know like if you picture the person you were in love with when you were in your early 20s you may or may not even know that person you know or you you might not have any real relationship with that person and whether or not you're going to know them in 20 or 40 or 60 years is even crazier whereas i am i like the person that i had that i was in love with when i was 21 is the mother of my child, and I see her all the time. Yeah. I'm going to see her for the rest of my life, and so that's a, there's a permanence to that. Yeah, um, and the, it, which is really interesting, you know. It, uh, I think it it forces you just to become aware of what matters, and it forces you to just have a little bit more of a um, long vision, I guess. Even though I want to live in this daily sort of free spirited, where are we going to go next kind of place, it's it's an anchor. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. It's just, you know, I'm taking it all in, taking a sip of Soylent while I process all this information. Oh, it's so refreshing. It's it feels so, so much stronger. Oh, man. Um, people compare you to, oh, my God, by the but wait, oh, uh, what is this Hugh modern? Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner, the modern day, oh, I do want to ask you about all your, like, if you have, like, funny, like, kids book groupies or something, <laughs> do you? We that, can cut out was anything. Is that another question, or no, I mean, do you have a question well, you want to ask say, before pe- that? People compare you to, like, the modern day, uh, no, I was going to say Roald Dahl, Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you think about that? Was he was he doing a ton of psychedelics, do you think? Dr. Seuss? Yeah. I don't think so. I, I've never read his book, but I, I think his, he was a pretty straight-laced, regular his, guy. His autobiography, you mean? Yeah, Did yeah, he write yeah. an autobiography? Mm-hmm. There's an autobiography by Dr. Seuss that I have not read? I don't know if it's an autobiography or if it's a biography okay big difference but um big diff but no i apparently because i've heard stories from people around because he lived in southern california and apparently he's just a guy you know just a guy is what you just said yeah just living around in a neighborhood being a regular guy his widow 
I think is still around and she, uh, I've heard her described as looking exactly like you would think Dr. Seuss's widow looks. I would like to see a photo. Yeah. How do we find a photo of Dr. Seuss's widow? But um but uh, yeah, I don't know what he was into or what he wasn't into. Uh Ooh, a lot of questions coming in for you. But he did a lot of um really important magical writing and I to be compared to that is it's like being compared to the Beatles. I think it's a it's a it's way far off, yeah. But it's also, you know, super beautiful, and it's a it's a high compliment. Um, oh, so when we're talking about the World Wide Web or whatever, and talking mm-hmm. about how like zines compared to like being able to reach like a wide audience on on the internet, and not taking that up immediately when it was like, you know, when, when all that, I don't know, nineteen ninety nine, and the internet mm-hmm. happened, not realizing anyway. Y two K, Y two K or whatever. Um, and I know you and I talk about uh, like, well, I won't put this on you, but sometimes when I'm like play why would somebody put a play on on santa monica boulevard why don't they just like make a video put it on the internet and have it reach like millions of people and possibly the president of showbiz uh mm-hmm. like the claw in uh whatever inspector gadget uh-huh. you know like uh, who i imagine is what that's what the president of showbiz looks like uh-huh. stroking a cat um but there is something to be said for performing in theaters and you're you know i know i do stuff at ucb sometimes you do stuff at ucb i just went to one mm-hmm. of your shows and uh Dallas just did a solo show at UCB mm-hmm. on Sunset, not Franklin. And I'll tell you why, why I'm going to say that, because I accidentally drove to the UCB Franklin location and nearly missed Dallas's show. But I drove to the Sunset location and I made it. I was like seven minutes late. That's neither here nor there. But the funny thing is one of our other best friends named RJ <laughs> bought a ticket to the UCB Franklin show. And watch the entire show, thinking Dallas would pop out maybe at the end or something. He didn't realize he like never showed up. Bought a ticket to the wrong UCB show. I thought just, he said it was funny though. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> said it was a good show. But uh, so tell me about like live. You know, you know, there's the power of the internet. Putting your book on there, videos, blah blah. Uh, embracing Y2K uh, compatibility or the World Wide Web or whatever. That's cool. But tell me about like you wanting to do like live performances and. Maybe yeah. taking it all the way to Red Rocks, maybe at some point, <laughs> I, I would like to say. Well, I I'd think, like to see there. I think I like <laughs> things that you can do instantaneously. Yeah. You know, so even if it is your goal to, like, have a, a really successful stage show or to make a, a movie or whatever, I feel like if you can do a thing in your kitchen, if you can make a thing happen instantly, you should, you know, um, because it, it's going to teach you a lot about the different stages of getting from a to b and so um my live show has sort of evolved from just going on tour and reading to kids and pretty quickly realizing that my audience wasn't just kindergartners or elementary school students that it was high school students and college students and then um and then eventually businesses right so a lot of my touring at this point is you know public speaking at corporate events and um you know tech conferences and things like that ad agencies and so because of that, it's sort of evolved from just me reading a book to me kind of talking about life and the lessons that I've learned and, and just what I know. Uh, and it, sometimes it can be funny and sometimes it can be sad and sometimes it can be uh, encouraging. But overall, I think the idea is just sort of to translate what I do on a page into a, a live uh, engagement. And so I've done a couple things at UCB. Uh, I've been the guest monologist a few times at ASCAT and I think that improv is hilarious it's probably one of my favorite things to do in LA to watch I think it's genuinely uh, really really special 
And so doing that, I've kind of made friends with a lot of the improv people and have uh, just kind of worked my way into accidentally into the UCB fold, I suppose. And so, yeah, I, I, I want to put together uh, a show coming up probably at the end of the year or the top of next year that's going to be an hour, hour and a half special. And so I've just been kind of workshopping that. And I want to do that just by having little little shows that have very little pressure and that are super loose where I just get to talk, tell stories and maybe interact with the audience and and read some poems and kind of just try to figure out the unfortunate part in what I do is that there's no precedent for it because I'm not a comedian and I'm not a, a, I don't know, a motivational speaker. You kind of are. Kind of. I'm a, yeah, but like all of these things have uh, identities, right? Like if you're a motivational speaker, we know sort of what, what you look like, where you're going to be performing. It's going to be kind of has that, you know, uh, uh, hotel by the airport. or like, Oh, my God. You know, like the, the, like, <laughs> that sounds dismal. It is, but it's also like that's where like congregation hall of, you know, people that pay $500 a ticket to come and learn how to organize their lives or whatever. Th- those things have their own expo center or whatever. Comedians have comedy clubs. I can't really hang out at either of those places because I don't do stuff that's funny enough to warrant being at a comedy club. Like if I went and talked on stage at a comedy club, if I had 20 minutes, maybe there's three jokes, you know? So that's, I don't want to encroach in that world. The world of public speaking is seems somewhat bleak to me. And also, I'm, I don't think that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not really trying to like take people's money to show them how to live or whatever. But you're inspiring. Sure. I, I, I try to be. I think that that's the goal. Um, but anyway, point being, it's a hybridization of all these different parts, <clears throat> right? It's, it, it, oh, it's, there's poetry. Oh, there's storytelling. Oh, there's some humor. There's some motivation. There's inspiration. And I think that with The Moth and with TED Talks and kind of with this, um, I mean, even with podcasting, with sort of a new framework for what it means to watch people in live settings i think over the next decade there's going to be a lot of progress in terms of new job descriptions yeah um i think you have a a generation of people that are now being raised with with ted talks being like a pretty um highly recognized way to get information and that the people that do those things the people that participate in uh, storytelling events uh are respected and kind of can have their own careers and can write books and do things off of that. And I think growing up knowing that that exists, it makes it possible. It makes it a tangible dream the same way that comedian or musician used to be like these far-flung occupations, right? Like if it was the 50s and you told your dad you wanted to play guitar, that was like an insane yeah. reality. 60s, 70s, even into the, uh, maybe about the 90s, you know? And now you've got a million television shows where you put your 13-year-old on because you want them to become a celebrity as quickly as possible. Totally. But I think this similarly you're going to enter into this phase where people are going to go, oh, you mean I can just go on stage and kind of talk to people about how I feel? And as long as it has a, a, a structure and a framework and a beginning and an end to it, it doesn't necessarily have to be comedy. It doesn't necessarily even have to be inspirational. It can just be honest. And and that can become its own thing. Have you done a TED Talk? No. Have I've, you even been approached? Yeah, a couple times, but it's never worked out schedule wise. What? Um, just because I've been like, oh, we're in this country, and you're, you know, that sort of stuff. What a dream Traveling boat. and touring and things. Potential TED Talker, <laughs> children's book author. Are you single? I am single. Yes. Do you have an eight pack? 
Uh, I have a six pack. You have a six pack? Yeah. Thank God we're just friends because I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> um, uh, I think my aunt saw you do a speaking session or something at this place on Highland that used to be Golden Golden Bridge. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's now called what? Wanderlust. Wanderlust. So you spoke there, and like I just mentioned your name to my aunt uh-huh. I was with her. Oddly, I don't really spend time with my family, but uh, <laughs> I was giving her a ride home one time around Christmas, and I said your name, and she goes. <gasps> You know Dallas Clayton? Oh, that's cool. Oh, my God. I saw him speak at Wanderlust. He, he was incredible. I couldn't <laughs> believe. So what do you talk about? What do you say? What is like the, the – I mean, I felt very – I was like, yeah, he's my best friend. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. Relax. Well, that place is uh, – for those who don't know, it's like a yoga studio, but also, a, I guess, sort of a, a, a public gathering place. Public you know? gathering. But what did you say there? I went, uh, was part of a, an organization called, I can't remember what it's called, but it was basically a gathering of people where you're going to have sort of a variety show that would take place at a giant yoga studio. So it was like a guy that plays folk guitar and oh, yeah, then someone yeah, yeah. that talks about, uh, oh, someone led a guided meditation, that oh, that's kind of nice. thing. So I just well. kind of hopped in and talked about life and dreams and things. But it was very, um, that audience is always, it's, Loving. It's super loving. And that's the other thing is with, I think, and I don't know. I'm well, not, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not a comedian, but I, I assume that that audience is very harsh and very judgmental. Well, because it's like a, they're expecting a certain thing. It's like, make me the laugh. Yeah. If you don't make me laugh, this was, I wasted my money. Whereas I think with an audience, say at a yoga place, they're just looking for like answers, I guess. My aunt or, was driven wild by you. I couldn't that's believe great. it. That's great. <laughs> I cast I mean, a spell I, on her. I, I really like talking, uh, going back to this idea of not having a um, definition. I like it because because I can't end up at places, you know, like even ending up at comedy clubs or, or UCB or wherever it is. It's cool to show up and then have people not know what they're going to get and then be able to give them something that I think they've probably never experienced. Who are your inspirations? Um, I like... You know, my son, my friends, most of the people that I meet that are trying to do things that are unconventional are inspirations. Um, you know, I have uh, art and, and uh, I don't know, historical figures that I think are important. But I don't know if I consider them inspirations so much as just, you know, mm, just pieces of the puzzle, right? Just pieces of the puzzle. <laughs> well... <laughs> I think that there are people like, again, not to keep using analogies, but if you're a musician, I think that there are a lot of people where you're like, this band changed everything for me. And because of this band, I play guitar this way or I use this amp. I don't really have that. You know, like I like Dr. Seuss and I like Shel Silverstein and I like Roald Dahl and those people, Maurice Sendak, classic children's authors. But I don't know that they've influenced me any more than they've influenced most people who grew up reading them when they were kids, you know? Yeah. Um, I think more... I've been thinking a lot lately about art as it pertains to the influence over the art that I make. And I feel like at this point, I'm a bigger fan of life than I am of art. Yeah. I feel like if I go to a movie or an art gallery, the majority of the time I leave halfway through because I, because I feel like I would rather go watch people walk down the street. And you did that with me. <laughs> uh, we went in a group setting uh, to go see, what movie was it? I don't know. It's this movie, oh God, with Charlize Theron and uh, like the remake. What did we see? Mad Max. Mad oh, Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dallas and I go in a group to go see Mad Max, not even halfway through the movie, like you leave, I think you're going to the men's room, 
you never come back. Dallas yeah. never came back, and I was just like, all right, okay, this is the. Uh, he didn't feel like it. I've, it was too brown and gritty for him. I think like maybe five <laughs> or six years ago, maybe even longer. I just came to the realization that if I'm not into a movie, that I just leave. I'm You're not. Out of I'm there. not waiting because I've. Again, I think there's way more to be learned. And I don't want to take it away from other people. Like, even in the Mad Max setting, people loved that movie. Oh, yeah. people. You can't say you don't like Mad Max or people, people will get mad at people you. People are really into that movie. <laughs> they get pissed, yeah. And I don't want to be like, I think this movie is dumb and that makes you dumb. I don't even want to have that conversation. I want to think, hey, man, I, maybe I'll be in the place in a couple of years where I like Mad Max. Or maybe I was in that place 10 years ago and it just wasn't out at the time that I was into this kind of thing. Yeah. But right now I'm not into it because I... I just want to go and like watch some ants walk across the grass or whatever. Yeah. Like I want to go to the beach. I want to um, watch people help each other. I want to just in, in, involve myself in humanity. I think that the internet has had a lot to do with that too. Um, Attention spans, you mean? No, just that it, up until a decade ago, the the most realistic way to learn something without doing it, right, uh, was to have... A sort of a replicated experience, right? So you go and you watch a movie about war so that you can get as close to an understanding of war as you can, even though it's very distant. I don't know if that's the reason. But no, okay, go on. Yeah. No, but the, other than entertainment, right? Yeah. You're going and you're taking in this thing, and if the thing is real enough, if the actors are doing a good enough job, it makes you feel an emotion. So whether or not it's, it has to do with war or love or whatever it is, you're going and you're feeling this emotion. And usually that takes about an hour and a half for them to build up those characters and make them real enough. And now if there's a sequel to that, it's exciting because you already know the characters. So you don't have to worry about the backstory. You're excited about them. And I think in the internet, you live in this world where someone could send you a 30-second video and it could make you cry or laugh or feel the same way that the hour and a half movie did, even more so because you know that it's real. Yeah. So if I turn on a video and it's like a, a soldier coming home to surprise his kid on, on Christmas... It, it could make me cry in 30 seconds because I know, oh, that's a real soldier and that's a real kid. It's not a Brad Pitt being a soldier and some kid pretending. That, so I don't have to get through the, the artifice of of believing, at least personally, oh, that's a real person. I'm going to feel for them. And so with movies and TV especially, it seems really hard for me to to feel empathy. You know, like I can feel entertained. I love documentaries, but oh, yeah. watching like a fictionalized version of, of someone being a cop or whatever, trying to solve a crime, like, halfway through, I just go, I don't care if this crime gets solved. Okay. It's not a real crime. I don't want to fight with you anymore, Dallas. I get it. A fight. What? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I just watched this documentary about Alexander Shulgin. Mm. Do you know that is? Oh, now I'm all into it because I'm friends with the chemist. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's about the guy who like... Uh, introduced MDMA into the oh, culture. Yeah, yeah. The Vice one? No, it's not on Vice. It's uh, it's like for National Geographic, hmm. aka Nat Geo, Got and it. uh, it's under the I Am Rebel uh, series of like documentaries. And now they're talking about how like people were so afraid of of MDMA, and now uh, the culture is like uh, into it again because and they're using it to treat like PTSD mm-hmm. for like people who came back from Afghanistan. If I were to do a drug. Mm-hmm. Oh, none of my business. You know what? I don't want to ask this. You're my friend. This is not what this is about. And I don't want to have to do too many edits on this uh, podcast. Do you meditate? Are you I, single? I do meditate. I said I was single. Oh, you did? And I had a six pack. What are you looking for? Do you think you'll ever get married? Um, or have another child? I don't think I will. I mean, the person that's talking to you right now says no. That's you, Dallas. But I don't know if in 10 years, you know, if this is such a definite. Yeah. Uh, um, it does, it's not. It's not something I'm looking for. What's like the perfect uh, romantic partner situation? 
you want to just put it out of the ether. I mean, I know you don't really care about that stuff, but tell no, me. I just I I like creating, and I I think it's important. The more that I tour by myself, you know, because I've spent a fair amount of time touring with groups of people, even though I don't. It's not a band situation, so you kind of can bring whoever you want. Like I can tour on my own, or I can bring friends, photographers, whoever wants to come. Uh, but the past couple of times I've toured, I've just gone out on my own Mm -hmm. and it's fun because you're really light and fluid and you can kind of go somewhere and, and make friends with people and you can kind of get in wherever you need to get in and you can interact with whoever you want to interact with. But I found that I, I can see already four or five years, 10 years ahead, the idea of needing a partner in crime, like needing someone where you're like, Oh, we shared these past experiences. So we have that sort of aforementioned empathy we can make jokes about places that we've been all that i think is really valuable but i think i I want it if it's going to be a singular person or a bunch of people i think that it needs to be people or or a person that i can create with that has their own like creative value and and wants to make things whatever they are just feels feels nourished in whatever way by creativity so you want a creative person all you lazy jerks don't even think about it <laughs> just kidding i'm so sorry um oh god done. done um what's like the craziest uh oh wait well i have a few questions what's the craziest like tour story anything wild and wacky happen that you can actually talk about on this podcast that people will listen to on the interweb um I don't know. It's it's usually um, sort of just a series of um, because I tour uh, and I read books and things, and most of the work happens in the morning. So with bands and things, you're playing at midnight and then you're up until four in the morning and then you have a terrible sleep and you travel and you wake up the next day. I know so about lot, bands. Yeah, I know, you know about bands. Okay, People know how it works. <laughs> but it's usually you're dead for a lot of the daytime, whereas I go... And maybe do a bunch of readings and I'm done by three in the afternoon and now I have the whole city to do whatever I want with. So usually it's just me and my friends kind of going around trying to stir up trouble. Stir up trouble? (laughs) What kind of trouble? Like fun trouble, like inspirational. I was just in um, uh, Cincinnati and I spent the whole day. Like these tour stories aren't. It's not like oh, I did heroin. It's like, crazy. Kicked this cop in the face. No, like (laughs) I went and bought a bunch of. I bought a bouncy ball and then I just spent the whole day trying to get people to play ball with me, walking up to them in the street and throwing a ball at them and being like, hey, catch. <laughs> or just drawing on the street with chalk or trying to find out, you know, like, what are the special parts that make the city interesting? Um, I feel like that's the quest at this point. Is that's the quest. Going in and trying to meet people and have, like, personal experiences with them. Do you ever know? play hacky sack? <clears throat> Yeah, for sure. Really? I used to play hacky sack uh, next to the cute boys playing hacky sack, mm-hmm. but it was just me and my girlfriend, and we had our secret, we had like a twosome hacky sack, because we were hoping the cute boys would invite us into their hacky sack circle. And they didn't? No. <laughs> like, hey guys, want to hack? You should have just <laughs> hacked the the sack into their circle, and then you would have hacked the, hacked the circle. Oh, man. Um, God, where am I going with all this? So many questions. I don't know. Hacky sack was a real left <laughs> I just wanted to... I just really wanted to get that story into one of my podcast sessions, you know? <laughs> I've been waiting to tell this anecdote. <laughs> Haggy sack gold. Um, do you think, like, potentially wanting to have a partner or something is, like, about, like, a fear of death or anything? Like, do, or, like, mm. do, you, do you believe in reincarnation? Are you religious? Are you, you know? I don't know. Are you that, scared of death? No, I don't think so. I think it's just a, a practical reality. You know, like, you look around and you go, okay, so let's say you don't believe in marriage which is it, that isn't what i how i feel but if you didn't it doesn't stop everyone else from believing in marriage yeah. so at a certain point you look around and all your friends have 
paired off and now they have kids or they're doing whatever they're doing and you're still you don't and that's cool it's completely fine but i think it takes a certain amount of um perseverance to to want to be doing things alone forever uh are you talking about me i'm talking about us i'm talking about a nameless person who is opposed to marriage i don't think you're opposed to marriage yeah so no i'm not talking to you i think i think it's just more about like um uh feeling just knowing that in the future at a certain point you're not going to be able to call your friends and be like hey guys let's go to mexico or whatever because they're gonna say oh it's my wife's birthday or whatever and that's cool that's how it should be yeah um i'm not willing to settle though no. I feel like a lot of people settle for like a warm body and they're like, okay, I guess we're doing this, but I'm I'm holding out for magic still. You know, I'm 57 years old. Sure. I'm holding out for magic. Well, I think it gets easier. I have to assume it also gets easier the older you get in that you start caring less and less about looks or you start caring less and less about the things that probably <laughs> mattered more when you were in your 20s or yeah. 30s. Uh, it just becomes easier and you can, I mean, the idea of finding someone to partner up with when you're 50 or 60 years old sounds probably pretty easy and knowing just seeing how the internet is advancing over the next decade two decades three decades have you ever been on a dating app no good for you oh actually i got spotted by you i went on tinder one time Mm -hmm. for like 30 minutes fell asleep thought i'd like like uh, close you know got rid of my account mm-hmm. like, i just try, tried out and then the next day you sent me a screen grab that somebody sent you of yep. me being like so and so saw your thing on twitter and yep. i mean on uh, tinder i was got humiliated knocked got knocked out i think it, i think that that mattered to, now it doesn't matter i don't think it matters stick that stick mattered then i think it's just change you know yeah, but you, yeah. it's just it's the you same you guys were as bullying a, me you guys were bullying me okay i just wanted to make sure it wasn't it was you or not yeah oh it wasn't yeah <laughs> Um, so like, why do you think you like love me so much and then we're so close? Um, is that a question? <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> why am I so good? Why am I so good? Listen, I've asked you a lot about I'll you. I'm going win all the time. Would you rather ask me the question, uh, I'm asking you the question about, uh, what's, okay. About that stand, you, you have a drawing in Silver Lake on uh-huh. Sunset. Silver Lake, very hip, very hip guys, hip part of Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Um, and Dallas did a mural. Is that what it's called? A mural? Mm-hmm. On a wall. What else would it be? Called? I don't know. Come on. How dare you? I'm a podcaster. You're the muralist or whatever. So, uh-huh. Okay. Um, and there's like, you did a mural of, uh, of hands raised uh-huh. to the sky. Super fun. Funky, if you will. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it says, it says uh, stand here and think of someone you love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there was a viral thing on the mm. internet. Yeah. You're going to wish you asked, answer the other thing no, I, I, about what's so great about me and why do you love me so much instead of talking about this. Something went, went viral, these two girls posing, taking like selfies under your mural, mm-hmm. next to your mural, and then like a homeless guy like at their feet that they're basically mm-hmm. just like, we're out of the way, we're taking a selfie. Sure. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that? Because you actually addressed it because it went, it was like everywhere and everybody's like, Dallas, your mural. Yeah, I thought it was just a dumb sort of happenstance where someone seemed pretty inept. You know, the, the two idea. girls, I, I, I don't, it was a girl. Yeah. I, I don't know their backstory. Yeah. I never found out anything yeah. about them, but Nobody it was knows. two yeah. people taking a selfie in front of a, uh, there was a homeless man asleep on the ground, passed out on the ground. I'm not sure. But the photo just made it seem, um, like one of those, uh, easily captionable photos that just says like, look at this, look at this disconnect. Yeah. This person is a have, and this person is a have not. And they're standing in front of this mural that's 
essentially asking you to recognize human beings and and think about their place in the world, thinking about people that you love. And so it just becomes this really obvious juxtaposition that I think I can relate to because that's probably what most of my art was about for the first 10 years, like talking about those zines. Yeah, it was very much like, becomes full circle. Yeah, it's just that's very funny. much like, hey, look, this person is fancy and they don't recognize the struggle of this other person. And I think it's a really, it's like a pretty bleak way of looking at things. And so someone took a photo of it, put it on the internet, and it started getting passed around. And I, a lot of people sent it to me. I, at first, I ignored it because I thought that it was just going to be a dumb thing. It just seemed to me like, oh, look, these people, there's a disconnect happening here. But this story doesn't speak to me. Homelessness is an epidemic. It doesn't take this photo for me to recognize that. Um, but the, it just kept coming up more and more. And then people started emailing me, like the Daily Mail emailed me and a yeah, bunch yeah, of yeah. like actual legitimate news outlets for, for interviews. And so after I started doing interviews with them, I just realized, okay, well, maybe this is something that I want to put out uh, just so everybody knows where I stand. And all it made me do was recognize how little we know about homelessness, how few organizations there are that are actually doing anything to help combat it, and yeah. how little we look to other um, countries that are doing really good, uh, making good progress with homelessness. Uh, how we seem to be completely ignoring their their methodologies. So I just used it as a space in my own world for people to talk about organizations that they thought were doing good work. And I made a print uh, celebrating togetherness, and uh, and then I donated the profits to that, to the charity of the choosing of the people. You are a great man. I, I think it's just an obvious. Like I think I going back to this idea of of zines and what my artistic ethos was then and what it is now i think i'm i'm trying to work within the bounds of of problems we can solve and problems we can't solve so if if your art is about pointing out something that you think is flawed but you're not offering a solution and it's something that realistically we could do something about i feel like you're being irresponsible so if your art is like there's garbage on the ground. I'm going to take a picture of this garbage and let everybody know there's garbage on the ground instead of just like picking it picking up, up and the garbage. Throwing it away. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're you're there was a time where that was necessary and that that's no longer the time for a lot of these issues. Yeah. Because because of process, because of progress, like, you know, we're not in a place where um gosh, I wish that there was someone able to document this garbage. And there's yeah. infinite people that are able to document. I think that your job as an artist should be about really trying to to change things that if, if you if you think that there's a problem with something, trying to really, I don't know, at least do everything within your power to, to affect change. So why do you love me? Why are we such good friends for such a long time that you put up with all my fucking bullshit and rant? Because you're so mellow and you're like, I'm feeling the things, I'm thinking my thoughts, I'm doing my thing or whatever. Well, I, it's funny that in I only in this dynamic am I like would I be seen as the mellow person, yeah, right? Like I, I know. I think in this and usually in these sort of circumstances, especially on a microphone, I tend to mellow down. You do? Yeah, I think so. Because I'm Because there's an audience? No, just because I'm trying to make sure that what I'm saying that I believe what I'm saying, you know? I think if there's no accountability, people are a lot more likely to just kind of ramble. Um but when you have a microphone or or you're writing an answer to something, it's probably of your in your best interest to think about your words. Why do I love you so much? Um, How does this friendship remain? Well, I think that there's 
there's something really important about knowing people for a long time and having your friendship with them go in these interesting waves, you know, where you, your friends, you're really close and then the person goes off and they do something else and you go off and you do something else and then you meet again and you kind of revisit, oh, this is what I liked about you and this is what I enjoyed about you and you start to strengthen those things and also you get to see how the person has changed or how they've evolved. I, mean, I think most people, when they think of you, that know you personally, just think of um, oh, no. someone who's uh, like transparent, right, in what you do. Everything that you do is very, um, there's no hiding. There's no sort of like, oh, this is, I'm saying one thing, but I mean another thing. For the most part, you're giving the full download on what your day has been like or your week or your month in almost immediately to complete strangers. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes. But I, similarly, like, I think that that's the, a person that's standing on the corner that's selling zines about what they believe. It's the same thing. I'm just taking my thoughts and sort of encapsulating them into one place and then just duplicating it. Whereas you, I think, are moving around and individually doing it. Like, oh, hey, <laughs> what about this person? Hey, what do I think? It's almost as if, the podcast for you is just an extension of what you would be doing every day, which oh my, is just talking yeah, to people, totally. and asking them questions and trying to figure out life. <laughs> Same with me. Like yeah. w- the idea of me being um, quiet or or reserved is hilarious when I get out into the world because I'm in the same place, which is like, oh, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? Nice to meet you. Let's learn. Oh, what's this over here? OK, we're going to explore, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a similar that that there's a that's. Those are probably the magnets that draw us together and that have kept our friendship alive for so long. Is, um, yeah. Is like a, a desire to learn and explore and, and agitate and like not accept that the world has to be a certain way. That's a good point. I like that. Oh, <laughs> man. Do you feel like there's a tremendous responsibility you have to uphold f- because of your reputation as a children's book author? Like you are a human being. You're, mm-hmm. you're a man. You, you know, you're a young guy. You're very handsome. Uh, and then you're... Uh, and you're, but you're, you're a children's book author, mm-hmm. so automatically it makes it seem like you have to be like uh, on your best behavior, mm-hmm. or like uh, because you have a lot of people you might let down if you weren't if you were imperfect. Do you feel pressure like that? No, I I don't. I, All right, next question. <laughs> we'll keep going. <laughs> no, only because I already, like I said, sort of live on the periphery of that universe. A lot of the people that write kids books that do it well are, are older women and kind of live in a grandmotherly world, and that industry is very old too book industry itself is old so i'm already on the outside of it in so many other ways um i think the only tinges of that that i get is just you know obviously like i go and i read at schools and i talk to kids a lot so i can't it you can't release like a a porn yeah i can't i mean i guess i could i I I don't want you to i just don't think i'm going to don't do it uh but i think that there's a I'm certainly more aware of that stuff than than my friends are, but I don't feel limited. I don't feel uh, uh, so. Sometimes the only stuff that comes up is like really religious people follow me or or write me, and and sometimes that feels kind of outdated. You know, like when you're talking to someone and they're they're still living in like a very whatever the religion is, but like a, a, a very religiously dominated paradigm, and they're coming to you and and saying things that seem like questions that you solve when you were 16 yeah you know so those are the only times like where i just go oh i might lose some fans or followers here because like i'm i I don't want to go down this road but what do you think happens when you die um i don't know 
I, Me neither. Uh, where am I at on that right now? I think uh, I'd like to believe in something magical and fun because I think if you if you're, it's the only question that you can make up the answer to, and no one can tell you different, right? Yeah. Like you can totally you can be like I think we turn into dinosaurs, and people can go well I don't most evidence doesn't point toward that but i can't prove you wrong yeah nobody right? knows so i feel like it's sort of a daily changing for me oh the, i'm fluctuating this way now i'm fluctuating this way but I, at the core of it i like the idea of magic you know me too makes um, life more magical yeah exciting so much of of being a human is being analytical and being realistic and being pragmatic and living you know in a world like i said earlier where you're Oh, maybe it does make more sense to save up money and then go follow my dream or whatever. Just you live going, in these yeah. these realistic um, uh, roots that that are that make sense. And as a scientifically minded person, certainly most evidence points to us just dying and that just being it. Like, oh, we're dead, whatever, right? But there's no fun in that, and there's no magic, and there's no make believe. And I don't want to live in a world where that that's the definite answer like it's it seems more fun to imagine i don't know multiple universes or variations of yourself that get to live on different planets simultaneously all that kind of stuff um i'm gonna cough oh cough there's a book called the holographic universe that sounds really cool and i've been like totally getting (coughs) oh i had hamilton morris on here and now that got me like into like a weird k-hole of like daniel pinchbeck or is that his name daniel pinchbeck he's like a psychonaut or Mm. something i'm probably saying all these things wrong and just like talk and like all these like people and terence mckenna and Mm -hmm. like all their theories on like mushrooms and dmt in your pineal gland and like uh stoned apes i don't don't know i I, I gotta look i gotta look that up too but uh just about how like and then you know souls uh, reincarnation of souls and like uh, i tried to talk about this in the interview with hamilton i said it all wrong because i had a previous guest named chantal talking about how like when you die or when you have a near-death experience it's like dmt is is released Mm -hmm. and that's what people think that's why you go towards the light or something but then i heard and i'm all over the place right now but then i heard that uh dmt isn't formed in a pineal gland or something until like seven weeks and that's like uh in a fetus mm. and that's what they say so they say and that's like the reincarnation of a soul when you die that's released and then seven weeks later it's in a in a new embryo or something. Hmm. I'm all, and so that's like supposed to be like soul, a soul reincarnated. Whatever. I'm, I don't even know what I'm talking about. But listen, I'm about to get in a plane after we wrap up this interview. Uh-huh. I'm gonna have a magical experience with a boy. I'm gonna have a rendezvous with, and I think I might do liquid psilocybin. Hmm. Do you encourage this or no? I encourage anyone to do things that that they think are gonna expand who they are and that are gonna push them in in like new and interesting directions and so like you know even if that's just stepping outside of your box of your day right or taking a left turn instead of taking a right turn or um i don't know even with the friendship question the idea of of revisiting friendships with people that you've known for a while and trying to find newness and trying to get out of this rut of like this is what i believe this person to be so if it takes liquid psilocybin or if it takes you know a a pilates class or if it just takes like i'm gonna walk out of my house and i'm not (laughs) gonna stop walking until i meet someone new and i have a new experience like i think they all lead to similar places i don't know about i don't know enough about uh the scientific aspects of of dmt or the pineal gland or any of that as as far as it it relates to death or uh reincarnation but i think um i don't know man 
every time I sit with the idea of what happens when we die, the 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 closest that I came to it was this idea that um, so the best thing that we can imagine uh, as far as human beings go seems to be love. That seems to be like a, a pretty dominant theme in most art and great things. Yeah. That that's a, a great thing to look forward to, to aspire to, to um, that's like a drive drug. toward, right? It's like a drug. It's like a drug. Love is the drug. Love is the drug. <laughs> but that, um, so in many ways, love is ultimately the answer, right? Like that's the biggest answer to the question, what are we doing here, right? Um, so if that's the case, then I just wonder, well, okay, well, who is asking that question? Like what, what? being or what entity or what life force is has has uh, allowed for love to be the answer to that question um and, and i don't know where that leads i don't know where yeah. that thinking leads but that that's the closest i've come to it where i'm like oh okay love is very important can i imagine other universes where there's greater love than i feel for my son right yeah. and I, I the answer is for sure yes so it kind of puts me in an interesting headspace because most parents would tell you that their love that they feel for their child is the greatest love, right? And they can't imagine something more powerful than that. But I can also imagine multiple universes where other versions of myself exist. And in those other versions of myself, I love my child more. He loves me more. There are multiple children and they all, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just like a more convoluted way of saying that there's, it feels like there's a lot more out there than there is here. You know, and and I'm excited to try to experience it in whatever form. Yeah, it's definitely more exciting to be magical in your thinking. Um, it's also possible it's all a simulation. What'd you say? It's also possible that this is all a simulation. All a simulation? Mm-hmm. Like we're just a dream or something? Or or like a I wrote a poem about a that program, one. A dream. A program. Yeah. What do you mean? Like we're like in somebody's video game right now? Basically. Check out this poem I wrote in fifth <laughs> grade, which kind of encapsulates that theory. Okay. Are we here or somewhere else as a figment of your imagination? For if we exist in only your mind, what a brain to have made such creation. Wow, that was a good poem. I did that when I was, I'm going to say second grade, even though it was, I think it was. Yeah, because I was so, I was like, fuck, I'm brilliant. Because basically what I was saying at that time, (laughs) at that time, I was saying like, dude, we might just be in somebody's dream. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ever see a movie called Waking Life? I don't actually think that's what that's so about. So what you're telling me is you wrote The Matrix. <laughs> I think I... Is that what The Matrix is about? Because I never saw that movie. Uh, Have yeah. I been ripped off? Did my teacher write that movie? <laughs> you should watch a Matrix trilogy when you go do your psilocybin journey. You should do a Matrix trilogy back I, to back. Okay, I would love to do that. Because I, uh, I keep hearing the phrase uh, cultural Matrix, and I'm like, I got to... Uh, I gotta learn. Uh, I gotta watch the Matrix. Okay, let me see. I uh, I texted people asking. They said, "Oh, what should I?" I asked our best friends. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm not, they can remain. Was there a moment where you were struck blind with a vision and everything changed from that moment on, or was it a gradual shift throughout your life? What do you think of art today? Women, you think you're cool. Uh, we can't answer this bullshit. Uh, women, are, think, are we doomed because of global warming and man-made masses? And why not just give up? If so, Jesus, that's a lot. Of course, this is who asked that question. <laughs> um, listen, we're going to land this plane. We are landing this plane. Don't leave just yet. I know your son is probably... Uh, oh, he's fine. Who he's knows what he's comic books. Um, all right. Looking at my copious notes. Did you want to answer any of those questions? No. I mean, okay. did you like any of them? I can't remember what they Dude, were. I, I was bored by them. I mean, no offense to our friend. <laughs> you have a lot of cool, fancy friends, too. I guess so. Should we name drop them? 
I prefer I think, not to. I think that's tacky. Yeah. Good. You just passed that test. <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are, Dallas Clayton? <laughs> All right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yakishmackety. Compared to the... Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we didn't talk about your Amazon show of Lily the Unicorn. Uh-huh. I'll talk about that in the intro. I will have already spoken about that in the intro. Okay. So we don't need to talk about that. Sure. Oh, what's the meaning of life? Mm. Boring. Just kidding. Answer that question. Is there a... You know. Well, I guess it's it's going back to the love thing, you know. I think that that seems to be the greatest answer is to find a thing that you love and to use it to to share love with other people. Um, but I don't know if if that gets you anywhere. I don't know if you if you're living a linear lifestyle where you're trying to achieve a goal and then get into another form, you know, like yeah. evolve into another human being or creature or get into a, the 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 heaven of your choosing. I don't know if it leads there, but I feel like as far as life goes, if you're trying to make and share love with people you're probably it's probably you're probably batting a thousand that's crazy because that's the life i'm living i think i think you're right on man that's crazy do you, do you know I'm, I'm about to jump on an airplane lax headed to jfk mm-hmm. i'm familiar uh, with both of those I, airports i'm gonna have a beautiful romantic uh, rendezvous adventure because i'm living a magical lifestyle i just okay. want you to know so you can be like i'm glad we're still friends yeah um what's next for me? Yeah. Like, what are you looking forward to? What's next for you? Do you want to tell the world? Anything that you want to get out into the ether, into the world? Um, I don't know. I, it does seem like we got to figure out this, how to stop shooting people. That seems like oh something my. that we could. Yes. I don't know. The, it really doesn't seem like anyone's got any solutions on this at all. It, it feels absurd. Um, so that, I, I don't know what I can do about that, but I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, but personally, I just want to try to make as much as I can, do as much as I can, share with people, travel, meet people. Uh, like right now, it's just all about turning all of the words into different formats, putting them into books or putting them into animated shows or movies or, you know, just trying to trying to paint with broad enough a brush that I can continue to do it and find newness in it and not get stagnant. When, do you, when are you most creative? Nighttime? All different times. Mm, I do a lot of work at night because that's when uh, uh, my son is asleep, and so I have. He's probably of, climbing out the window, going on dates right now, like fine. putting on his leather jacket, um, pomade but, in his hair. No, but that's when, like, I do a lot of work at night. But it, I don't think it's there's no time really. And the really early in the morning when I first wake up, I feel like there's ideas that are sitting in my head, and so usually I do a morning like brain deposit you know you just write down sketches and things but i think i'm most creative when i'm around other people that are also being creative do you meditate yeah um last thing so where can we find you uh i'm assuming dallasclayton.com yeah instagram snapchat twitter dallas clayton yeah that's me um I ask this of everybody, and I just have to ask this of you. I know mm-hmm. you talked about shootings. It seems ridiculous to ask you this next mm-hmm. question, but I have covered that in past podcasts. I'm a empathetic person. Sure. I'm going to take it back to me like the narcissist monster that I am just to land this plane. It's called Love Alexi. That's the name of the show. Uh-huh. That's, that's not, that, this is not the theme of uh, the question I'm about to ask, but I do want to ask you, what quality or type of man do you think I need to be with? Mm. Um, you're, you're my best friend. Let me think about that. You know Let's it all. See. I think that you, it would be interesting to see you with someone who is your equal, you know, who uh, is, okay, so when you're describing me being uh, reserved and you being up, right, like, 
that's because your energy is real high. Mm-hmm. And so it would be curious to see if you met someone who had a higher frequency than you. But higher was frequency or higher energy? Both. Okay. Like that was just that was just operating on a wavelength that was really intense but also felt uh like rewarding, you know? Like I'm not talking about just like a lunatic, but like someone that's that's creative and outgoing and able to match you. And I think I think that you would probably find some safety in that. And that would allow you to not have to f- be as high all the time, you know? Mm, so I don't know what that looks like. I imagine just someone that's, like, confident and been around the block and not um, not easily, like, s- scared away, you know? Uh, and then, like, super muscular. Yeah, that. okay. Yeah. It's weird, though, because I feel like... Uh I'm an introvert, extrovert, where I'm like, oh, my God, I want to be entertaining, especially on this podcast because it's, like, amped up because, you know, I want to – I got to keep it going and ask questions and try to be funny or whatever it is that I'm trying to do. But uh, then when I go home, I'm an only child. I live alone. The idea of having a roommate is terrifying to Mm. me. It's, like, not exciting or interesting to me because I need to be quiet. I need to be quiet just as much, if not more, uh, than me being, like, on. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because all my major loves are always, like – like the last guy I got out of a relationship with. Uh, yeah, that are very like mystical and quiet with like dark sense of humor. They're interesting, but they move at a different pace. And then I can, it like balances me out. It's bizarre. I, I've met people who are like, yeah, blah, 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 and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't. It's too much. It makes me feel crazy. So I think it would be interesting to see if you met that person and they were also in the same place that you were and kind of I don't a know. quiet mystical person who's in the same place I'm at. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 not a quiet mystical person. Like a person who's uh, who is energized, energized, and extroverted, but also confident. You know, and it's not a charade. It's not like hey, look at me. Blah, blah, blah. It's actually uh. like a genuine. This is me, and this is how I interact. Because a lot of times you're trying to puzzle things out, right? And so you're going to someone and they let's i don't know whatever problem you're trying to solve trying to solve a problem and you're talking it out the whole time you're trying to figure out each component like in real time mm-hmm. out loud and i think that if someone is quiet or s- s- even just more stoic that energy hits them and they're going oh well i'm puzzling this out in my head right now or i've already solved this problem and i'm ready to do this and you, and i think that it would be interesting to see what would happen if you and someone were able to process in real time together, you know? Like and, just talk to each other. Yeah, but talk in a way where you're both on that same wavelength of like, oh, okay, what do we, f- okay, let's try to figure this out. Oh, maybe this way. Let's go this way, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Well. A, a real sort of uh, a co-pilot. I need a co, looking for my co-pilot. <laughs> Dallas and I are both single, living our lives, uh, generating stuff and uh, making your lives better. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, do you regret doing this podcast? Not at all. Um, thank you for talking to me, Dallas Clayton. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Wish me luck on my trip. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 